millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I get to catch up with Raul Reynolds of Enter Shikari ahead of the release of his book. Uh, it was good to catch up with, with Raul. I've not spoken to him for a while. He was a uh, great guest on the Hardcore Listing Podcast I do, also on the Distraction Pieces Network. And yeah, we, we, we had, a good, had a good old natter, this one, and... Uh, Obviously, Raoul's got impeccable taste in tunes, so we uh, we spoke about some great records uh, and a lot more. And before I get on with that chat, just uh, a few thank yous. So I mentioned them a moment ago, but thanks to Scroobius Pip and, and everyone over on the Distraction Pieces Network. Also, um, thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, thanks for Ian, uh, and uh, who uh, helped facilitate this with Raoul. Um, and yeah, and thanks to you lot for... You know, so many of these podcasts start with how people have coped throughout lockdown and, you know, how they've tried to maintain, you know, a, a, a healthy um, level of mental, you know, well-being. And and this podcast, you know, I've said it before, but this podcast has been, you know, a, a real essential for me. You know, just being able to, you know, obviously you've seen it go from one a week to sometimes four or five episodes a week, which is... You know, I, I run a venue that's been closed, so this podcast has given me an opportunity to just reach out to um, other people that are, I guess, unable to do what they do. Um, you know, musicians and comedians and actors and such, and 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 it's it's just been really nice to connect with people, be it over Zoom, but just hear about their passion for for records and to hear about their creative journey. It's it's, it's been such an important thing for me um this last year and the fact that it's gathered listeners on that journey has been an absolute bonus so you know being one of those i'd like to thank you um so thank you very much for supporting this podcast okay um what else have i got to do now i've sort of lost my way there well i've done all the thank you so if this is your first time listening to off the beaten track podcast then when you get to the end of this ace natter with Raoul, then go and have a look in the archives because there's 370 odd episodes now and you can hear me talking to artists as diverse as Fatboy Slim, Butch Fig, uh, Foo Fighters, Tommy Lee of Motley Crue, uh, Suede, uh, comedians like James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Maisie Adam, you can hear me talking to 
actors such as Joe Hartley, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington. Oh, there's loads. Go, go and have a, a little rummage around. Chuck D from Public Enemy, that's a great listen. Um, so, yeah, go and, go and have a look because there's, there's hundreds now and they're all free. So just uh, find one and press play. Uh, better still... You can subscribe. If you subscribe to the podcast, then you won't miss any. They just pop up on your listening device and you just press play and you're off. Um, and if you'd like to support it uh, in another way, aside from the, the likes, loves, shares, retweets and such on the so- uh, socials, then what you can do is um, you can head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, um, patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track and then over there i put up radio shows um video episodes and all sorts of uh, exclusive episodes and bits and pieces over there um and so yeah you can go and support the podcast over there from as little as i think it's 79p a week something like that um no 79p a month what am i saying 79p a month um so yeah if you'd like to uh support us over there that's much appreciate if not no drama it's tough times so uh yeah just do the free stuff give us a little subscribe or a or a share on the socials or just tell your mates just go hey at this new podcast it's all right there's this fella from essex with a bit of a lisp that talks to uh really interesting people all right that's enough uh waffle from me let's get some grade a chit chat now from today's guest so it gives me great pleasure to catch up and have this wonderful natter with Raul Reynolds, Aventa Shikari. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs so one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously i'm super thrilled to have hotel chocolat working with us but they sent me a great big box of this stuff and i'm telling you it's amazing go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at hotel chocolat but yeah in the coming months there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Joining me today via the means of Zoom, Raul Reynolds. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, as I was just saying, I've, I've, I've just finished writing my book, um, which I am absolutely ecstatic about to get that off my desk because it's uh, it was a big project and. Um, can I can sort of concentrate on music again because uh, I haven't written any music since uh the end of the the last album session so uh, a very long time ago um so yeah no I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of relative freedom so in regards to the book i mean let's let's talk about that you know straight away because was that something throughout lockdown i spoke to so many musicians that a lot of them have kind of 
bucked the idea of writing the lockdown album and have just actually quite enjoyed a bit of a system restore of not being touring and being able to spend time with family and and there's also been that other sort of you know percentage that have gone at first it felt quite awkward like I was pushing it to try and create something and then as maybe those knee-jerk initial thoughts when we went into this situation that we're in eased a little bit and it become more of a normal situation in a weird situation um that they started writing again so was songwriting something at this point that just wasn't on your agenda and did the book come from lockdown or was that something that was already underway pre this situation that we're in well i mean first of all i'm I'm glad to hear that you've spoken to people who haven't used lockdown to write an album because like all i was seeing last year was like people in the studio oh we you know our our productive uh nature has gone through the roof and uh, yeah i i had nothing to give um it, it got like I know towards the end of last year when when I was sort of like taking breaks from the book and stuff and, just, and waiting for the, the publisher to get through with get back with edits and things I was like right I'll, I'll, I'll try and write some stuff now and um I just I I felt completely lost um I mean that there's always a degree of anxiety before you sit down and write any new album you know because it's such a mammoth project you just like you know you sit at the bottom of it and you're just like Christ how, you know how am I going to write another album like this is such a a colossal beast um but but this was different this was like i think there was there was part of me that thought you know we've been a band for quite a long time now and we've been very sort of overtly uh, socially conscious and writing um social criticism you know various systems and values and things and um a lot of the things that we've been writing about were becoming really really just obvious just like so vividly clear um throughout the, the well, all of last year and you know the pandemic brought to light so many things that you know for, for for one example about our healthcare systems um and so i was like i don't know what to write about now because like this this just makes me feel sick because these are things we've spoken about for a while so yeah i i've had nothing to give i've, I've not known what direction to go in um i felt a little lost and i haven't written anything as i say so um, you know I, I, i'm sure it will come so it doesn't bother me too much but um yeah i put all my creative uh juices and and passion in into writing the book i i, I suppose I, I felt like well now is the time to actually delve into to detail because like this things are getting so serious now um and and people so often don't see the broader like systemic faults you know the root causes of things that I, I need, I feel like I need to write something a bit bigger, you know, some, something more, more detailed you can get across within the four minutes of a pop song. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so the book w- was already underway before the, the first lockdown. Um, but I suppose it did blossom quite substantially over the year, but I'm, I'm not sure. Some of that was probably due to the pandemic and, and, and due to me having more time off tour than I've ever had. And I was able to therefore explore more, topics and, and and write about a whole swathe of, of, of subjects um but i think also out of necessity because you know once you go into one topic and you realize oh actually that connects to that and i'm gonna have to therefore explain that phenomena and it just gets bigger and bigger and um yeah it turned out to be a big beast of non-fiction by the end of it 
And did did the sort of nature of the writing become affected by the the, the situation that you know that that you and the rest of you know the planet was was going through? Yeah, I mean, I I tried not to. You know, it's it's quite easy, especially when we go back to sort of March, April, and and especially if 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 we if if people you know people listen to this if they were in a position where they had people affected by by covid and and you know god forbid no no one has uh, been been through having to deal with deaths but you know there was a period where it was like there was this new sense of uh, uh the the serious danger that, that we're in and this and the trajectories that we're on as a species you know not wanting to dive in too deeply and get too broad on this but um yes yeah, so, so the, when you're when we're going through periods like that there's two things that happen we can either slip into sort of fanaticism and uh you know but there's a track on our last album uh, apocaholics anonymous which is you know where we all just slip into apocaholicism not the easiest word to say but um where we uh, you know, we can just become full of, of, of fear and, and fanaticism um, or we go the other way and, and we try and say, well, we're, we're sharing this experience at the moment. This, 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 in some way, it proves our shared vulnerability. It proves our innate uh, sort of unity as a species, you know, what, you know, one planet, one family, the things that us and, you know, many other people have spoken about for years. Um, so there's, there's a real degree of emotion that I think you have to be careful about when you're writing in, in those periods of like of turmoil. Sure. Um, because, you know, effectively I'm trying to write a book that, that covers uh, social psychology, anthropology, uh, systems theory, you know, quite sort of, I'm having to do a lot of research because I'm not sort of naturally very uh, ac- academical really. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was difficult, but I, I didn't want it to, um, to be sort of overly emotional. I want, I wanted to sh- show the, the, the readers what my emotions are upon like, you know, looking at this, this data, but at the same time, I want it to the book to be like, um, to be centered in science and to be centered in reality because it's uh, as, a, as the album title of our last album, nothing is true was the, was the first half of, of the album title. It's so hard to ascertain what's, what's true, what we can trust sure. in this day and age. So I wanted it to be really, you know, have a, have a real core of, of, of science at its heart. Um, so, so therefore you have to sort of keep your emotions in check and, and keep your opinions really in check. And you have to go, okay, I have to look at the data here and, and, and work out what I can write about. Well, let's, let's pick back up on um, the book and, and, and on where people can find it and, and some more about it towards the end of the, uh, the, the, the chat, but let's, Let's kick off the, the playlist, Raoul, and I'm going to ask you for track one, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. This was a tough one, man. This is what <laughs> all the musicians say, that this is the tough one, man. <laughs> we we have, like, we actually had this conversation as a band. Like, Rob, our drummer, brought, brought the intro conversation, as we've actually called it. Uh, it was a, a few months ago. And he said, because we were talking, you know, I was talking to the guys about how I'm, I'm struggling as the songwriter of the band. I'm struggling here. Like, what, what can we do? And um, we're, you know, the conversation blossomed off in all sorts of directions. We started, Rob brought up like, you know what? We haven't written a song that has like a, a sort of seminal, uh, seminal, immediately recognizable, short, succinct intro. 
you know, if you think, if you look back into sort of like, I think funk is probably the best area mm. for intros, you know, have these like, you know, it can be a drum fill. It can be sort of a, a flurry of stabs on a brass and you can hear, you know, the typical examples of, of, of like uh, panel shows where people play the first second of a song and you have to guess what it is. Yeah. You want one of those intros, you know, you want one of your singles to have one of those just like immediately recognizable, like, ah, that's it, you know, onto the dance floor in <laughs> intros. Um, so yeah, we've been talking about intros a lot and I sort of managed to narrow it down to, to three. I mean, it was hard to even get it to three, but, uh, but I had it. Um... You are allowed honorable mentions, Raoul. It's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought Disco Inferno, the Halloween dancer, uh, as a sort of a, a, a slightly cheeky one, silly one. Um, then I thought Paperback Writer by the Beatles, but I thought oh. surely someone's had that by now. No like, one. Why has no really? one had that? We've had Beatles. We've had lots of people. Have, a lot of people went for um, help. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Purely, just like boom or hard days Brilliant. night. One called. Everyone yeah, knows it. <laughs> the classic. Yeah, yeah. Paperback writer. It's just that that little bass line that wheel, 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 wheel before, and it, oh, it's there's a sense of urgency with that record, don't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the 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 the, the harmonies. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a three way, possibly even a four way, but it's it's you know it's beautiful, and you don't really hear. God, I'm just going to sound old now, but you don't need really hear like intros like that, do you? Just like just people singing, and it's and it's and it's just super engaging. You know, you hear it straight away. Um, the the way the the sort of um, what would the word be? Uh, the contour of the, of the melody is beautiful. Yeah. Paperback writer, writer. Yeah. Uh, excuse my um, early morning voice. Well, it's not even morning anymore. I've got no. No, no, nothing to stand by that. No excuses there, no excuses, Ralph. No, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that. Um, so, so I, the and then I thought, well, it was. It's probably either between paper, paperback writer and then possibly uh, an outside one. But Friday, I'm in love. The Cure. Um, okay, because it's just those. What, it's like seven or eight notes or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just like a little arpeggio or a little scale. And it's just so beautiful. It's like this very open chord. Um, and it creates, you know, a, a, as a songwriter, I think a lot of the times what you're trying to do with an intro is you're trying to create the universe the song will sit in. You, you mm. want people to be immediately feel immersed in this world that you're creating. And to do that within like two seconds is difficult. Yeah. And um, it, it doesn't feel rushed. You know, it, it feels just like it's almost like you're just sliding into this song really nicely. So yeah, I, I really, really like that. And I think as well, just, just that guitar sound, you know, that, that yeah. whole, the guitar sound of that whole era, really the whole post punk, you know, joy division, Bauhaus, XTC, like that, that's been a massive influence on, on us. And so that, that song has been sort of with us from as a band, as an inspiration for, for a long time. And yeah, I mean th- th- that Friday, I'm in love. He's, he's, pretty much a perfect pop record as well you know as it mm. as it unfolds it's it's faultless that as a single and so that's going to kind of lead me on really to, to to a question that i like to ask songwriters um and that is so if we look at like when shikari first come out the way that people were listening to music then was very different to how they're listening to music now not trying to make you feel old, mate. No, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but obviously we've seen we've, <laughs> we've seen the evolution of of all of these streaming services now that everybody is now now, now using, um, and so I just wonder, 
the the way that that's affected uh, the way that a lot of younger people uh, get their music and they're now on things like TikTok and, and things like that. And I watch my daughter's thumbs, which seem to just be getting quicker and quicker and quicker. And and I just wonder if the way that the that, that, that pop songs uh, are being written there, uh, you're hearing so many now that are just literally being pushed, but almost back to, I guess, that kind of Motan era of like two and a half minutes start with a chorus no fat on it whatsoever because attention spans for for lots of younger people seem to be shorter and that might be a wild generalization but it does feel that we're in quite a fast-paced world of consumption for 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 your media and so long way around this question route like the way that people listen to music now and the way that attention spans seem to be in certain areas shorter, does that have any effect on, on how you sit and write a record? You obviously, you mentioned then that, you know, you said that we've never had a, you know, an instant intro, which is a rush to the dance floor. So is that something that, you know, that you are considering? And is that something that, that, that fast paced want of like, give me all the best bits straight away. Does that ever kind of, do you know where I'm going with this question? Honestly, Ralph, well, I've asked this question about 250 times and I've never nailed it. <laughs> it's really, I just can't seem to get out where I'm going with it, but I hope you understand where I'm leading you with, with this question. And, Absolutely. And, and does it affect you? Yeah. Uh, I think in a way, always the, the era that a music's, a piece of music is written in always influences the, the, the piece of music. Um, you know, we could go all the way back to like one of my heroes, Stravinsky, uh, back in like the 1920s when he released, um, what was it? Serenade and A, I think it is. It's split up into four movements. Each movement is three minutes long and they did that or he wrote that because that then fits on a 78 RPM record. Right. And so like, I think the technology actually really inspires songwriters be that consciously or subconsciously um i think it always has um and and now we're seeing uh, uh yeah uh, as you've said like a, a real a really powerful era of where technology is 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 shortening attention spans you know we, you you see it you can look at like youtube data and things like that of, of who actually gets to the end of a youtube video it's like pretty depressing um yeah. Uh, and I suppose but it's weird that it's gone that way though, Rob, because mm. if you look at like people that were releasing records on vinyl in, in the 60s, 70s and 80s, you had X amount of space on that vinyl. So you could only get X amount of songs on there. And then with the CD, it allowed it to expand a little bit and you, you yeah. could have like longer albums. And yet now we've got this infinity, you know, of the, the Spotify's and the Apple music. It's gone the other way. It's kind of gone yeah yeah so, I, go on sorry i interrupted you there it was just no, i was no. just thinking about the, the the cd switching up from the the, the vinyl yeah I, I suppose when when the uh the playing field is so infinite it then becomes so um what the word be well like saturated yeah so saturated so congested that there's just so much going on that then people only want the pro the protein because, you know, people's time yeah. is, is precious and increasingly 
precious as as life gets more difficult um and and, and so they they just want the yeah the 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 immediate hit they yeah. they, they 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 want to be immediately uh, emotionally affected they want to be immediately pleased uh, and and we we see that in you know in so many different industries you know you know to sort of take one step out further and you you think of amazon you think of being able to get something you know literally you can buy any product and have it on your doorstep within 24 hours i mean that's yeah mad like absolutely yeah. mad so like yeah the the whole playing field's changing and i i think it, it's definitely something we've thought about like it's a weird one for us because we you know, with, with our with our music, it doesn't really fit in anywhere. In on in, in some terms, we're a sort of a prog rock band, uh, and we have this massive palette of instrumentation and, and emotion and texture to, to 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 pick from. So, so for us, the thought of a, a sort of what a, a two minute now pop song, not the three minute pop song, it's two minutes. Um, that's that's so daunting because you, for us, we've always sort of uh prided ourselves on on being like I'm, I'm having real musical agility and variety yeah. and diversity and that's been like a one of our central uh you know like tenants as Enet shikari and there's not really a lot you can do in t- in two minutes you can't really show <laughs> off <laughs> show off is the wrong word there we go <laughs> yeah, yeah. we just want to show off <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much you can reveal of um yeah of yourself in 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 two minutes so to speak um but i, I think it, it makes songwriting harder in a way because it, for, for a band as well that's that's trying to talk about quite serious or or at least deep topics uh you need a broad palette you know, you need you need a, a a real spectrum a spectrum of instrumentation and um so yeah it, it, it's very difficult then to to pummel that into to two minutes ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And 
if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, And again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Track two, Ralph, I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to take you back now, and I'd like you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I have to go, again, you know, to be honest, all of these questions were tough, but I, I have to go with something from the world of Motown and Northern Soul, because, you know, that was the first thing I can remember. I, I mean, I tell a lie, my, my nan... I can remember my nan getting me into big, big band jazz as like a, I mean, talking like a five-year-old or something, you know, like yeah. running around with a toy trumpet, listening to Glenn Miller. Um, <laughs> but I, I really don't have much recollection of that. That's more home video footage that aids my memory there. Um, but yeah, as a, as a serious emotional impact that I can still remember to some degree, it's, it's Motown and Northern Soul. So, so my dad was a, a Northern Soul DJ um, and he used to play um, uh, play out as a DJ all, all around sort of the home counties, really, and and, and up and in, into the Midlands. And um, so he, you know, I was I was blessed really to have this this basement that I was about to say basement that I grew up in, um, basement of the house that I grew up in. <laughs> That's quite sinister. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was just full of his records. You know, he, he had kegs and boxes and boxes full of 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 vinyl and so you know i remember just days just getting lost in it just putting on records as as like a i think from from a 10 year old upwards really um and just getting lost in that sound and because it you know he had all sorts of of of, of stuff um there from the mainstream but but yeah the bulk of his his music was northern soul and I, i just remember being completely carried away by that and just loving the the positivity of it just the the melody i mean i I think that's where my love for melody comes from really because i just there isn't really much more of a a melodic music than than motown it's it's beautiful um so yeah i was going to go for tainted love by gloria jones Um, it's just such a high energy track and uh yeah i can literally i have a real memory of just like running and, and dancing and flailing around my basement as a kid listening to that Oh, what a wonderful record. So if I had to sort of ask you to pinpoint what that emotion was, was it like sort of joy? It, exactly that. That that I mean, that I don't think you can sum up Motown b- better than just the word joy. You know, I, still to this day, it, it, it's music I, I probably turn back to more than any other. Yeah. Um, which usually surprises people with, with a band like Enchikari. But as I say, like... We, there's clearly a love of melody within our music. Um, so even if it isn't a sort of very overt and, and clearly recognisable influence, I think it, 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 it is there. And it, in terms of its soul, you know, it, mm. it, it, it's very much there within our music. So, yeah, it was just, just unfettered joy 
um i think which you yeah, and also you feel that to a greater extent as a kid as well don't you definitely definitely and and what what's weird is like so many of them iconic motown songs whether it be the tainted love tears of a clan tracks of my tears this old heart of mine uptight they're they're all heartbreaking records though they're like the the, the actual sort of you know the the, the the context of the lyrics is just it's heartbreak yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. music is just overwhelmingly, and the, obviously the the vocals on every single one of them records that was ever made is you know it's just glorious. And, yeah. And yeah, and it's it's just got that kind of overriding the joy powers over the 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 the, the, the lyrics for me. And, and it's, yeah, I, I think. I mean, I guess it comes out of blues as well, doesn't it? It's, yeah. you know, it's like it's it's experiencing serious hardship, be that romantic or. or you know, otherwise, and and being able to sort of compartmentalize it and process it and yeah. and make something beautiful out of it. Um, Absolutely. And uh, and it takes it takes real skill. And I think it's something that not just in, within Motown. I think it's something within music and various genres that has has really influenced us. You know, that exactly the same thing happened in post punk, um, and and we attempt to do the the same thing a lot as well, especially with our lot sort of happier tracks. You know, a lot of our uh, previous album the spark was <laughs> you know the <coughs> excuse me the uh the subject matter was yeah pretty pretty emotional uh f- full of adversity and that but then a lot of the music was was quite joyous and quite upbeat and and yeah. that's something that i think directly comes from motown it's something that they do better than than anywhere else and, and, and as well i think with politics you know that's it's it, it was it was one of the first genres you know I know of that as well started to be quite overt in in not just of its adversity in relationships but in adversity in wider social relationships you know like uh, Marvin Gaye what's going on and the, uh, the temptations when Tamla Motown made that shift to like suddenly going oh we we can actually use our platform to speak about serious issues and i think that was, that was the artist that weren't barry goldie like i think no. that was marvin gay's brother coming back from vietnam and telling the stories right and i think that that was when because i think it's quite like quite well documented that barry goldie was like what's this and it's like <laughs> because it's it's a concept record isn't it you know it's it's it flows from beginning to end and and i think it wasn't that sweet you know, it wasn't "Ain't No Man in High Enough." I heard it through the grapevine. It was, oh, it, yeah, was yeah, yeah. It, it was really saying something. And 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 you're right, it did. It then kind of from that, all of a sudden, you're hearing, you know, you're not hearing "Reach Out," "I'll Be There." You're hearing "Papa Was a Rolling Stone," and it was like, "Whoa, what's this? This is like got a, you know." By the time that intros started, most Motown songs had finished. Like yeah. it's just this <laughs> huge expanse of like sound, and yeah, ab- absolutely, I couldn't agree any more with you there, Al. Oh man, we should we should start a, a Motown podcast. There's loads of questions I'd love to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> and my 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 uh, knowledge of uh, Northern Soul is something I'm always looking to grow. So yeah, I'll be oh, uh, I'll be picking your brains, mate. <laughs> um, okay, um, for track three, stay in the formative years, Zero. I'm going to ask you um, to tell me the song uh, that reminds you of your time at school, please. Um, yeah, again, difficult. I, I remember getting. Um, cassette tapes, compilation tapes made by my cousins. Um, and they were, you know, a few years older than me into Britpop. And they basically introduced me 
to that whole world. Um, and, the, and the one that I think, you know, that, well, there's, there's so many that, that, that stand out, but I, I was going to go for Aqueous by Oasis. Mm. Um, and I, I remember, you know, I, I knew Oasis and I, and I liked them as a, I don't know, what would have this been, like a 10, 11, 12-year-old or something? Um, but I remember my cousins introduced me to their B-sides. Yeah. And that, you know, and again, as a, as a kid that had grown up with vinyl and, and, and knowing about the B-side and almost this, the the mystical, magical, you know, nature of the B-side, um, that, yeah, hearing Acrius for the, fir- for the first time was just like, oh my God, this is like better than anything that i've heard by them ever like um so so yeah that, and, that, and that just takes me back to to school and, and and that whole period of my life for sure it's it's so weird i think you know whatever your thoughts are on on, on oasis at that point as a songwriter he weren't struggling if you look no. at like some might say which was the, the 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 track that that was the flip side of I think I had the CD single of it as well. And that had, some might say, Acquiesce and Talk Tonight. And you listen to, like, and obviously, what were the other B-sides? Master Plan. You just think, <laughs> that's like most Britpop bands that give their right arm to have a song like that. And he's tossing them off on B-sides. <laughs> it's like, you've got, you've got an air of confidence. I mean, obviously, they, they've never seemed to lack confidence, them, them, them brothers. But there must have been an air of confidence there to just think no that's all right we you know because surely if you've wrote something like you think the record company must have been screaming at you that that's a single and i think whether or not they just thought do you know what we won't even bank it for another album we'll just stick it on the b side i mean it's just (laughs) incredible and so how did that that whole kind of brit pop i mean was you getting exposed to all the other stuff in and around that scene like further outside of like your blur and oasis was you getting you know mixtapes with your blue tones and shed sevens and all that on it yeah i think so to a, to a degree i mean certainly yeah, it was blowing oasis that that made up the the majority of the cassette tapes that i was given um and i suppose the more the more modern stuff as well like i mean stereophonics uh i was gonna pick a manix Manic Street Preachers track for, for one of the other uh, questions so maybe i won't oh, speak okay. about them now okay um but yeah um there was all sorts. I can't, I mean, even things like crowded house as well. Um, like going back a bit. Um, uh, what's that? Um, by crowded ass. Oh, ocean Calicine. Yeah. Yeah. Ocean <laughs> I remember, um, there's an intro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I remember play. That was one of the first tracks that we used to play with, uh, Rob when, when we had a, well, just me, him, and Chris were were in a band for a while, and that that was a jam of ours. Um, so you yeah, still playing was... your plastic trumpet at that point, Ro? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a, a few years after. Um, yeah, I'd uh, come out of that phase. <laughs> well, what I want to ask you now, Ro, is just a, li- a little bit about school and, like, did, you know, did you enjoy it, and and, and where was it? Um, secondary school was well. It, for me, I moved to Scotland when I was um, 10, I think. Um, so I had like three years up there. So I had, a, I had year seven in, in, in secondary school uh, up in Scotland uh, and then moved, moved back down. Um, so, so I think that period was difficult because it was difficult moving to Scotland. Um, 
you know, being the only, actually not the only English kid, but one of two English kids in a class and the, the other English kid was a bit of an arsehole. So um, <laughs> that was difficult. <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, mo- moving back down, you know, by the time I'd spent three years there, I had a whole circle of friends. I had a band as a, as a, as a 13 year old. And it was, I, I absolutely ad- adored where we lived. Uh, we were up uh, in, in the Trossachs, like in a, a little oh, village lovely. called Calendar um, near Stirling. And uh, yeah, I have such fond memories of there. So then having to leave that and then join another school, again, not knowing anyone, I think it's sort of, I was, I was quite, a, um, quite a loud child, I think, and it sort of beat some, some of that out of me and I think uh, sort of introduced me to social anxiety. So, so there are definitely difficulties there. And I think as a, uh, as a learner, I, I wasn't really great I wasn't bad I was just sort of like in the middle I, I didn't try massively hard I was you know clearly besotted by music by that point so it was hard to sort of get me passionate about any other subject uh, I was just so into it um but yeah so it's so a bit of a mixed mixed bag really of, of schooling some some highs and, and lows I suppose I mean to to change schools twice uh, around that age as well that's that's pretty tough, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, I can barely remember it now. That's the thing. But I mean, I, certainly moving moving to Scotland was was really difficult. I mean, it was difficult for my for my whole family really. But we had to because that's where my dad's job had, had taken him up there, and he was trying to, you know, do the thing where he'd, he'd live up there for the weekdays and come back at the weekend uh, weekends, and it just wasn't working. And um, so yeah, we all made the move, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, I can remember. Um, I mean, it's a stupid story that it's very blurry now, but I, I don't remember being physically bullied, but there was, you know, it was definitely difficult, like on a, on a verbal uh, basis. And I can remember the, uh, the teacher on my first day sat me next to the English kid. Cause she thought like that would make me feel more comfortable. And this guy was a, I remember it quite well, how much of a prick he was, uh, you know, poor kid. He probably, uh, you know, had some, some, difficulties in his own family or whatever that that was bringing out some horrible aspects of him and it wasn't until me and this kid had a fight that then I was like accepted into, into like the you'd clan. earned your stripes <laughs> it was uh, you know so they started the the kids at the school ah oh, so not all of these English kids are twats then like <laughs> I was sort of accepted um <laughs> so so yeah as I say by by like you know, after the first six months, I think I was, uh, you know, absolutely loved, l- loved the friends I'd gained. I'd loved the area. I, I loved that sort of lifestyle that, that we had, like being much more in nature, really. You know, I had, uh, we were right near Ben Leddy and had all these uh, uh, amazing walks all around us and, and places to play and, you know, be a bit of a feral child. So, so I think yeah. that helped Im- immensely. Um, but yeah, so it certainly had its had its difficulties. Well, you said that you you know you was a, you was a lad child, um, uh, uh, and then obviously you just said some some of that kind of verbal bullying and stuff can kind of definitely cause some social anxiety and things like that. But what, what, where I'm going with this is, I've I've seen your band uh, at festivals and stuff, and I've seen an incredible frontman on stage doing what he does, and it exudes confidence to a somebody that's standing there watching that 
you know, I've also met you previously and you're a humble, nice, polite, you know, guy. And and so I just wonder what your relationship has been with confidence, for, you know, from having them kind of tricky times then to sort of moving forwards to then having to sort of walk out onto stages at these huge gigs and festivals. I just wonder what your relationship is with, with, with confidence. Yeah, Um I mean, it's all—it's always been something I've, I've struggled with, especially since the, the, those moves as a kid. Um, and I think you—you you basically you gain confidence in in different areas um, of your life, you know, through repetition. So, so the reason I can exude confidence as a frontman is because I've been doing that since I was. 14 15 yeah um well I was, I was actually a guitarist first but um that sort of fell into the front man position um and you know it's like it's like anything i used to be scared of flying and when tour uh forced me to to, to have to fly all the time eventually realized that you know these the the ways i feel the the, the anxiety that i feel and the panic i feel is just inside and it's it's something that i can I, I can deal with and I can, um, you know, work on. And, and, and so that, I think that that's it. It's just like the more you, you know, it, we could, we can go into like cognitive behavioral therapy here that, and it's sort of, it's, it's like exposure therapy, isn't it? The more, the more you expose yourself to a, to something that you're afraid of and realize that actually your, your worst fears are, uh, are not going to come true. Um, the, the, the more, uh, the, well the less debilitating your your anxiety and your lack of confidence becomes and I think that's that's happened in, in lots of points in my life but I mean I still struggle immensely with social anxiety like mm. I find it much easier to stand on a stage in front of a hundred thousand people at a festival than than I do sort of walking into a say uh i don't know a, a, a party or some event where I only know a few people or, or and I've yeah. got to be you know I've got to sort of suddenly uh, meet a load of new people i still find that very difficult um yeah but yeah you know you sort of you live and, and you learn absolutely what was the first record you bought Raoul? well yes okay how far do you want to go back i mean the, there's the slightly embarrassing no no it's not embarrassing um, spice girls the first album i remember picking that up on cassette as a kid uh for, I, it, that wasn't from a record store that was from um literally from a service station i remember we were going on a family holiday and my mum and dad gave me some money that i was like why you can buy one album that we can listen to you know throughout the holiday (laughs) as like a nine-year-old or something (laughs) with that um but no i think that uh, this is where i was going to go with the manics because it was if we're we're talking song rather than album Mm. i remember uh the masses against the class the class the masses against the classes or the masses against the classes uh coming out um, and I think I was about, must have been about 13, 14. Um, and I remember getting that on single and, and just being absolutely in love with it. Like I'd already, again, there, that was another band that, actually I don't think it was my cousins. It was one of my uh, my best friend's older brothers who was a massive sort of, you know, in, in indie kid. And he, he introduced me to the Manics. And um, yeah, so that was the, the first single I remember walking into a record shop and buying. Was you aware of the sort of political angle of the band? You know, could you? Because I mean, they weren't shy in what they were saying no. on a lot of records. And and was that something at that age that you was picking up on, or was it just pure melody and and, and guitars and stuff? I th- I think I, I've I've talked about this with Rage Against the Machine. I think as a as a kid, there was a you had you 
you grasped sort of a sense of what was going on. You know, I, of course, I, I have no no idea about the intricacies of what they were talking about, the concepts, you know, that the track starts off with, with Noam Chomsky, doesn't it? And, mm. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't have understand one sentence that he, that he says yeah. at that age. Um, but yeah, that there was like, I was immediately drawn to music as this sort of powerful, emboldening, unifying tool. And I experienced that when my local scene, like the first local bands I went to see at our youth club as a sort of 14, 15 year old were like hardcore punk bands, ska bands, you know, sort of DIY small scenes that were popping up everywhere. And we were all, and all those bands would be playing in the, in the small towns and, and doing tours and stuff. And, 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 and they, you know, they do the odd speech here and there, or, you know, you'd learn the lyrics and you realize, Oh, this is interesting. They're, are they speaking about this or what does this mean? And, and just, I, I think I fell in love with just, yeah, being able, like, it, if you're lucky enough to sort of um, build a, a fan base or like gain some sort of pedestal, then then using that, you know, feeling the responsibility and like going, okay, what can I talk about? And and not even just from a feeling the responsibility, but but like whether it's Mannix and it's whatever you would want to call them, indie rock, punk rock, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, or whether it's you know hardcore punk, there's there there's genres that rely on passion. Like the, yeah. that is the central. You know the whole thing of like punk was like we're not really musicians. You know we're we're certainly not virtuoso virtuoso guitarists or anything. Like we don't have great skill, but we have soul. We have like passion. We have uh, beliefs and ideas. And We've got something to say. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that was immediately just I I found that. Um, magnetizing and, and you get and you got that so much from the Mannix and uh, as well from Rage Against the Machine so no I, I didn't have a really a clue about their their politics but I was like I was still into it I was like yeah I would I would die for this too man like I don't know what it is but like I feel it like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think you know as as as, as a teenager you know most teenagers are you know have a a, a, a time of being angry and and i think if you're being exposed to you know like you say hardcore and, and bands like rage and that i mean it, it just sits right it's you know it just sand tracks that anger perfectly and it almost gives you a you know an outlet and, and you know you, you surely must see that you know when you're on stage and you're seeing you know these kids in the crowd just feeling that you know ha- having that outburst and, and using it you know music to to kind of express themselves. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I've, I've walked through my school and college with like my favorite band written on, on my like rucksack or whatever, just because I kind of wanted everyone to know that. Yeah. I, I, I like Billy Bragg. Yeah. Have you heard of him? Like, you know, it's like, but that's that time, isn't it? You want, you've got something to say. And, and I think, and, and also half the time you've got no money. So that then does push through to go sort of full circle a little bit, that, that DIY thing that you was talking about in your first bands where, you know, you're all kind of helping each other out because, you know, someone's got a drum kit, someone's dad's got a van that can help get that band to there. And it's like, and it's, for me, you know, I, I dabbled in, in, in music for, for, for quite a few years, but then when I sit with some of people I was in bands with now and we talk, we always go back to them first rehearsals in mates' garages and like, and that first gig. You remember who we played with there? And because it's, it's all to be played for then, isn't it? And it's all just so new and exciting and you are fired up, angry and, and yeah. And 
so I'll tell you where I want to go with this question. I've touched on confidence and around the scene that you, you know, that Shikari were part of in those sort of formative years, lots of bands from that era have kind of gone on to, to, to be other bits and pieces and, and not many of them have, have seen the level of commercial success that Enter Shikari has. So aside from confidence, would you say you're driven? Oh, immensely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people sort of talk about how they they couldn't live without something. And I think yeah. that's what's made this, you know, this last year of, of, of lockdown particularly different, uh, p- particularly difficult for my mental health is that I haven't had this creative outlet in terms of making music, you know, this this cathartic, wonderful tool, this outlet that I've had since I've, I've, I've well, not, not even got a guitar. Yeah. Got, a, got my actual first real trumpet when I was like <laughs> eight or something, you know, like music has always been there. So it's in, in it's, and since then it's been a, my sort of prime drive, my prime primal drive, because it really yeah. does feel prime. It feels like I have to do this. Like I have to, yeah. this, this is how I communicate almost, you know, it's like, um, so that, that, that drive just comes very naturally. And I mean, and I mean, going back to what you're talking about, about the, the whole DIY thing as well. And, and with like, um, being sort of slowly becoming aware of what these bands were talking about. We we very quickly came up against like difficulties in our local scene. Like our our local council was, was horrendous. I mean, you know, we come from St. Albans. It's, it's a sort of, it ricochets back between conservative and, and liberal Democrat, uh, Dem- Democrat and how it's run. Um, and, and of course, you know, when, when you get into like local councils, a lot of these people are sort of, quite out of touch especially with youth services and, and and things like that so we immediately had immense struggles with being able to put on shows like we were doing like um the duke of edinburgh award uh, god rest his soul um <laughs> at the uh <laughs> from what was that like when you're 14 15 i think you start yeah, doing that and, then, it? and you know one of those one of the sort of parts of of the scheme which i, which I think you know is a brilliant scheme is you have to sort of start um, an organization or a business on, on, on some level. And, and we started our own local promotions company and we put on gigs, you know, as 15 year olds. And we immediately, you know, even though it was a school led program, we came up against so many problems with our local council. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I could talk about that for ages, but, but what I'm saying is we immediately found out that this, you know, whether it was a, a mistrust of authority or whether it was like a, uh, finding out about the, the systemic problems um, in, in the world. Like, so, so what Mannix had been talking about, what Rage had been talking about, what Motown yeah. had been talking about, it immediately became very clear, like to us, like on a local level. Yes. But like, it was like, ah, okay. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess in and around that time, you hit an age where you can go clubbing and, and I, uh, I always like to sort of make this 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 question a little bit more broader because I think when people read it, sometimes it, it makes them think it's some kind of chrome-laden club where you know you, you've had to wear a pair of trousers to get into it. Um, it's not. It can be anything. It can be your local indie night. It can be your local rock club. It can be any kind of club in that. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, that you experience, but Ro, I'm going to ask you for a song that soundtrack your years in Clubland, please. Yeah, um... <clears throat> Well, for me, I mean, if I could sort of, I don't have to pick two, but like maybe there's the first one that has to be said, and, and this won't come a surprise to, to anyone, would be the, the Prodigy, No Good Start the Dance. Like my uncle introduced me to the Prodigy as a kid uh, and blew my mind, you know, as, as a kid growing up with Britpop primarily and ye oldie music like Motown and, and some of the other tracks that we'll, um, we'll find out in the next answers. Um, the, yeah, this was just like a, a complete new universe. Um, and, but I can't say I was going clubbing as a, as a, as a young 10 mm. year old or whenever it was that my uncle gave me music for a, a generation. Um, what was it just quickly before you move on? What was it that, that, that struck you about that? I mean, I, it, it's well documented. It's just fucking incredible. That's a given, but like, what was <laughs> it that, I mean, was the, was there a visual there for you as well? Uh, yeah. Visually it was mad, wasn't it? I mean, like, the Fatal Land cover, I remember seeing that at my uncle's uh, collection and just being like, what? That's just a mental cover. And then seeing the Jilted Generation and him, him literally passing me, like, go, listen to this first. Like, <laughs> Everything will be all want- right. <laughs> yeah, he wanted me to, like, grow with him and, like, you know, experience the albums that he experienced them in, in that order. That's wonderful, um, though, isn't it? That's oh, great absolutely. that someone was doing that. That's absolutely. brilliant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, co- that cover's kind of terrifying. Mm. Um and so, yeah, so for a kid to see that, uh, it, it, it uh, yeah, I can't think of any way to describe it other than was it, it was just a completely new universe, you know, visually, aesthetically, the sounds, you know, a breakbeat, you know, I hadn't yeah. heard anything like that. It was just like yeah. a real drum kit playing at simple beats with the odd feel. That feel, yeah. that's that's all I'd heard. Um, and then, you know, synth that that started my my love affair with with synthesis. Um, yeah, so I mean, that was everything, and e- and even like with, with Shikari for like a few years around our first and second album, like No Good Start the Dance was our like intro song. So we'd come on stage to that, <laughs> which was which was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I think so. That's so that 
sort of gave me a grounding in in electronic dance music but it was it was drum and bass that was my my first like real you know you, you can you can be in, impassioned um and, and excited by being passed down something but when you like discover it yourself and you sort of you feel like you're growing with a genre and, and you feel like you have a you know i certainly wasn't there since day day one of jungle or, or for instance but like sure. in terms of like liquid drum and bass like hospital records who we've done a, a, a whole remix remix album with a few years ago like they were like discovering them was everything so like we had a it was called the monday club down at the horn in, in st albans and that was like a, a drum and bass club effectively and, and rory our guitarist his brother was a drum and bass dj sam pdx yeah absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, so that, discovering that whole world was just like, uh, yeah, wow, it was it was amazing. So that that was my first sort of clubbing experience, I think. And and I mean, j- just you know, I, th- I thought it was really interesting as well that you know, which I guess correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Rao here, but you know, when when Shikari broke through, there was lots of kind of rock and metal kids that were were loving it, and to then have Pedex open for you quite a lot as well didn't he like to to expose these kids to, to drum and bass i just think it's fucking incredible what a great thing to do just you know use that opportunity to turn people onto something that potentially they might not be overly aware of like was that something that was a conscious decision yeah for for many reasons i think one selfish reason is because as a band we all love it and you know growing up with pedex and and going to to rory and sam's house and and just that's that was always on you know that was like the background music so for mm. us that's like drum and bass is like almost like a comfort <laughs> yeah in, in the same way that motown is it's, it's just like it I, I feel very very grounded very at home there um so and i think we wanted to help people feel that that same atmosphere so like you know between between bands um we've always we've always played drum and bass and we still do the funny thing is when we do that in america and, and you know it's it's almost not a thing out there it's in some states that they, they're like what is this it's like edm man but it's like really fast like super fast <laughs> um so like just yeah being able to introduce people to that whole world because it's yeah. such a varied world you know especially with as jungle grew and we had all these subgenres and and as i say especially with liquid drum and bass like it you know in in some tracks it's like orchestral and majestic and beautiful and then some you know the next minute it's just like the damn right dirtiest just like immediately like jump up drum and bass you know making you want to get on the dance floor like so there's there's such variety there and um we we found found it immensely inspiring as as you know myself as a a songwriter and the and the band that was uh it was always a genre that has, has probably taught me more in terms of production yeah. Um, than, than any other. Well, let's take you home. And for track six, I'm going to ask you, Ralph, for a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, oh you've done that. it as well, haven't you? You've done it as well. Don't worry, what? mate. You're you're probably number 230 of 270 that thought it said country. Don't worry. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> I need to put that in block capitals because... Everyone does it, mate. <laughs> I yeah, because I thought it was like home country. That's kind of weird. I even thought it was it's like a, a, a weird question. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, shit. Right. Well, I'm going to have to rethink that. Um, Out of interest, what, what did you go for? Well, home country, I was going to go for Under Pressure by Queen and Bowie. Lovely. <laughs> but um, Not from St Albans, though. No, no. <laughs> no, okay. Well, yeah, in that case, then it has to be someone from our local scene. Like Our, our local scene was pivotal in forming Shikari's sound, uh, just, just as much, if not more, as any other of the genres that we've discussed so far. Um, so there were lots of like smaller bands like Cry for Silence, Aconite Thrill, Incoherence. Um, and I suppose the, the biggest band that made it out of that sort of Luton, Watford, Snorbans, Harpenden, that world would be sixth. Um, and I think they're the, the, the only one of, 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 that, that made like a real, a, a global presence, you know, that they sort yeah. of, you know, within the gent world, they're, yeah, they're yeah. sort of considered like quite seminal, you know, pioneers and, I mean, for me, I remember seeing them, uh, yeah, at the Pioneer Youth Club, so the, the club that we used to try and put shows on as, as kids. Um, and I remember, you know, this was a, re- a super rundown, shitty club. And uh, they there was no lighting. It was this crappy old PA. And they brought their own lighting with them. I say lighting. It was literally just two. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, <laughs> two fuck off powerful strobe lights. Yeah, and it was the first time that I think I'd. I mean, I knew what a strobe light was and stuff as, as a kid, but like they would switch the strobe lights on like full power, you know, going like <laughs> that speed. Um, and you know, at the start of the song, it would come on. At the end of the song, it would come off. And I, I, so, if you know, if you had. Um, photosensitive epilepsy you were fucked like it was that's an intense experience experience, isn't it yeah (laughs) but i mean i mean that's their their music is intense um and 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 uh, yeah so i remember that that was the first time i saw them and just being partly terrified partly just like flabbergasted by like the sheer skill um but then also there, there there was beautiful moments of melody there when justin would would do like sing a nice chorus or a middle eight or something um lyrically really interesting um yeah and, and technically and rhythmically just 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 incredible um so yeah it would, it would have to be it would have to be sick like uh and for, i'm like going to spotify now because i i wouldn't know which there were so many good songs um christ and was it inspiring to see someone from your scene you know do something and just think mm. you know because did it feel attainable you know, where, where you know, in the area that you grew up in, that you could, you could get signed, you could do this, you could go on and, and you know, and, and do the things that you have done. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we, at moments, there were moments where we thought that, and we were very positive. Um, and then there were the moments. Oh, there's a specific moment I'll talk about um, where that we felt, felt that wasn't the case. But um, yeah, I think there's you know there's something about knowing that these people came literally from down the road from you. Sure. Uh, and and when you look at them when you're looking at them on stage you're like you know you're just taken aback with the the sheer skill and and the the power, you know that they really exemplified the power of a band in terms of like it's almost like the whole band is an instrument. The way that the drums are locked with these uh, uh, intensely technical guitar lines um 
and being able to pull that off and being tight live uh, like that there's something incredible about that so 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 when you look at them on stage you're just like whoa these are gods and then they come off stage and you talk to them you know as used to happen at, at local gigs you know you'd be able to like chat to the band and um and you know they'd have the they you'd know people you'd share friends you'd go to the same places and it's just like and that made it it did make it seem much more like uh, accessible you know to be able to sure. get onto a stage and, and be a band and have some sort of success um but i mean i mean even the, the first label that showed us interest was sixth's label so well not i should rephrase that not they didn't own the label but the label that sixth were sure. on um and that ended up being a, a quite a terrible deal that we were offered so it was very lucky that we'd just um taken on our manager at the time and, and he sort of steered us away from that so so that was quite a shock that ah okay people are out to to screw you over in in this yeah. industry because you know we just just that that label coming to us and offering us a deal we were just like you know sort of wide-eyed and bushy-tailed oh my god this is awesome like we, <laughs> that would have been terrible if we would have signed that deal so so at that point we were like like ah okay maybe it's not possible to uh to walk in in this this band's footsteps but um but yeah well for the last track raul you can play dj now and tastemaker and i'm going to ask you for a song <laughs> that many may not know that you would like them to hear please yeah i i feel bad though i didn't i didn't actually name a track did i for, for oh you didn't sorry go on yeah I, I would either go for i mean i think the first track i heard was pussyfoot or possibly hold my finger so i said i would go for either of those but i mean the the trees are dead and dried out. That album is, is, is incredible. If anyone, if anyone doesn't know them or wants to start somewhere. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was it? Yeah. The track that I want other people Many to may not know. Yeah. yeah Turn them yeah. on to something new, Raul. Yeah. I mean, I thought as we're, you know, we're recording this and the sun is out and we're sort of venturing into spring and summer. I, I picked something like really summery and, and positive. Um, so, I'm going to go with uh, Rena Mashonga. She is an incredible artist, like super diverse, a really interesting voice. Like she has this quite amazing backstory. She's like a proper, you know, like uh, citizen of the world. So she was uh, born in India. She grew up in Zimbabwe. Um, then I think she like moved to, oh yeah, she went to college in, in the, uh, the Netherlands and then moved to Peckham. And so she's got all these influences and like experiences and you can hear it in the music. It's like awesome. Um, and it's not just that also that the, the production is really clever. Like it, it manages to kind of sit in the middle of like that very, very raw and quite sparse, production so you can you can really pick out every aspect of, of, of the track every bit of instrument um and the vocals are given a good amount of space to like you know for, for the power of, of, of her sure. vocals to, to come through um but at the same time it's like really technically proficient as well the production like you know it, it could be like forte or, or caribou or something it's like really interesting um and yeah it's just it's just listening to her stuff just like fills me with you know, that, that summer feeling that just like good yeah. times are ahead, sort of, you know, drinking a tinny with your mates down the park or something like it, it just, it gets you excited. Um, but yeah, I was going to go for a song called Atlanta, which is, I think it's off, not the, the recent album, but the one before that, but, um, but yeah, all of her stuff's great. 
Wonderful. Raoul, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast with all your track selections on and some of the other records we, we spoke about so people can go and go and explore um, all of those. Um, so with that kind of summer feeling and the sun shining today and, and an air of optimism that, that 2021 is going to start to unfold you know, further to a, a place where we can hug our friends and we can get back to so many of them moments of connection that we've been missing. Um, what are you looking forward to personally and what's happening professionally? Um, I still haven't gone to the pub. I haven't. Oh, I thought I was an outlier. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Let's go get a pint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so I'm very much looking forward to that first cold pint out of a glass in a pub garden um yeah just looking forward to you know seeing the people who i haven't seen for, for, for so long you know been lucky enough to see the band now and then um i mean certainly not not that much um you know i like to think that our tour is going to go ahead in november december so i can't wait to see our crew again like, i haven't seen any of our working our road crew for yeah over a year um which is weird you know that's i i've never experienced that I've, we've we've, yeah. we've never gone more than sort of three months without playing a show um throughout our existence from sort of 2006 seven onwards um so yeah looking forward to seeing them again obviously just looking forward to playing shows again looking forward to being able to like meet uh like our supporters again um yeah i think I think that's about it uh I, I mean yeah there's there's just so many friends that i haven't haven't seen and, and just and, and as you say just looking forward to human contact again yeah. like looking forward to getting my shot of oxytocin from from hugging and yeah and, and 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 feeling the sort of human connection that we've all been starved of for for uh, over a year now if people want to find out more about the book where's the best place to do that Ralph? Um, I guess just enter shikari.com. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got pre-orders up there now. Um, and then, I mean, I'll, I'll be sort of starting to tease it over on my Twitter accounts. So that's just Rao Reynolds, Rao's R-O-U. Uh, and then obviously enter shikari, our, our Twitter account there. Um, yeah, that's, that's Wonderful. about it. Rao, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you today. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Man, no, thank thank you for having me. Like, uh, it's, it's always it's always great to talk to you, and uh, great to talk to uh, talk about these these tracks that have made up such a, a big part of my life. Wonderful, thanks, loads, Raoul. Wicked man, take care. Do you know what? I knew that chat was going to be great, and uh, and oh, it really was. I hope you've got um, as much joy listening to that as I did having that chat with Raoul. Um, go check out the book. Go pre-order it. Um, and yeah, go and head over to Spotify and listen to all of Raoul's song choices as well. And why not listen to uh, his favourite song from his home country as well? Go and uh, listen to Under Pressure by Queen and Bowie. I do need to sort that out because uh, it's just one of them things that 
is a constant and it's all my fault. So uh, I'm going to sort that out now. Um, all right, I'll be back next time. As mentioned at the beginning, if you can give us a like, love, share, retweet and all of that stuff. Subscribe's really good. If you want to leave a review, that's lovely. Um, drop us a message on the socials. You can uh, let me know who you'd like to see me chat to. And uh, and yeah, just let us know what you think of the pod. Um, I'm back next time. Be excellent to each other. Stay safe. And uh, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Ain't a